This is a Podcast Now production. It's not stopping, it's not slowing down, it's going to keep growing and growing. And I do think Dubai will recover. And if there's anywhere on earth where, you know, right now where people can go and enjoy and have a party, it's probably in Dubai. We're all in the same industry. Why don't we, why don't we do something that does stand out, that, that makes it... You can then compete with the clubs, for example. If the promoters come together and put stuff on, there's, there is a way of competing with the, the bigger scale events as well. You know, we had Laura from Love Island, old school Dwight Laura, you remember? She came down with some, some, some VIP guests and whatever, and then they stopped at the door and it was quite embarrassing. It was on the after party of Kieran's event, I think. And they're like, no, you're not letting her in. I think if you come in, you're smart, you know what you're doing. Anyone can win. And I think that's where the, lo- the loyalty will fade because no one really has no loyalty to anyone over here. They come in, they earn and they go. This is where I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Why does it take so long to get paid in Dubai coming from a GM? This is Output DXB. Output DXB podcasts. We're in now. We are fully in. Kevin and Kieran. Kevin, we go back from me begging you to let me in some of the clubs you worked at. And Kieran also go back. And now we're working together as one big family, which is great. But yeah, today is just all about getting perspective from promoters in the industry and as a general manager in the industry in Dubai. Kevin, you've been here a long time. Yeah, I came here 2008. Um, What's that, 13 years now? It seems like a lifetime ago, to be honest. Um, I think over the last 13 years, so much has gone on. I'm like a completely different person. I look back then, I was like a kid, and I'm a 40-year-old man, so it's a bit weird to be fair. You've aged well, mate. Huh? You've aged well in those 13 years. (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) How How many places have you worked at as a GM in Dubai? Oh, bloody hell, let me quickly work that one out. I'd say seven six or seven so i can run through them if you want yeah go on so let's start i started in wafi 2008 i was a gm of a place called plan b and ginseng that was the old wafi not the raffles and then from there i went on to manage a place called alpha which was down by the airport which was a short-lived experience to be fair um yeah, we won't talk about that one. I didn't, didn't get paid. I'm still owed a lot of money from that. Um, and then from there, I did events a bit here and there in Abu Dhabi throughout 2010 and in Dubai. And then from there, I went on to be GM of Zinc Nightclub for four years. I think that's where we first That's met. where we met, yeah. The days. The days. Uh, the good old days, as we say. I mean, that was probably one of my best you know, life experiences working there. Four years running the place, had the free reign of bringing in different DJs, doing different events, a lot of different, you know, uh, international DJs as well as local artists, working some of the OGs, Danny Neville and, and DJ yeah. Bliss and all these old school guys that are still prevalent nowadays, to be fair. Let's not forget um, Andy Swift there, he'd be upset. Of course, I'm about, to, I'm, about to, <laughs> I'm about to mention my boy uh, Swifty, worked with him in numerous different venues, but worked with him as a resident there as well for, for four years. Uh, Greg Stainer, can't forget the man. He's no longer in Dubai, but he was a big, big, big influence on the Dubai scene as well. And then from Zinc, I left in 2014. I did exactly four years. I remember December 2014, so I joined in December 2010. Um, I went from there on to manage Q43. Um, I was at Q43 for 
How long was I there for? No, sorry. Oh, before that, I went to Bliss Inc. Entertainment. Yeah. Sorry, I was I managing that, Marwan's yeah. uh, DJ Bliss's company for about a year and a half to two years. Worked with him, doing different events with him, working in different clubs such as Cristal, uh, Cirque du Soir, um, Pasha. We did stuff with, um, uh, what's the other big one? Cavalli. Yeah. I don't know if that's still about now, I'm not sure. Um, I so I was there for like a few years and then... Um, from there, I went to manage uh, Q43. Was there as a GM for two years. It was a great experience. Again, really, really, really good uh, company to work for. Solutions and Leisure have been smashing it for many years now. Uh, and I think they've got a lot going on in the future. So I was there for a couple of years. Uh, left there 2017. And then I went on to manage Treehouse, where me and Kieran, funny enough, did some stuff together there. I was there. That was a transitional period for me. I always felt like I wanted to leave the industry. I've been doing it since 1996, working in London. Um, you in, wanted in to leave the industry? I wanted to leave the industry. I was. I had enough of it. I'd done six months in Treehouse. I was tired of the late nights, to be honest, and the crazy parties. You know, I found myself getting a bit older, and I was really. I had a passion for fitness, and I started to study um, personal training, and I did my level three. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take my passion on to see if I can take it as a career, which, you know, I've quickly found out wasn't the right move for me. <laughs> I mean, it's saturated as any any industry is really over here, but that wasn't the right move. I, I literally did two months and was like, right, get me back into what I know best. Um, not to say that I didn't, I couldn't have done well at the fitness game, but I was just turning my passion into, which some people would say is great, but it was my hobby. And then all of a sudden it was, I was trying to make money from it. So it wasn't, you know, and with that as well, going to freelance in any industry, it's tough to, you don't get all your vacation pay. You don't get your gratuity. You don't get your health insurance. You don't get your visa. You don't get your, your housing allowance and this and that and every other benefit that comes with us being in Dubai. So from there, I left Treehouse, done that, and then went back into the industry and, uh, I went into, what did I do from there? I went to Open Train Beach Club in La Mer. So I was working, actually, that's funny because it was still in fitness, but also running F&B. So we opened uh, Train Beach Club in La Mer. That was, Definitely sounds like more than seven. Yeah, I'm not, now I'm thinking <laughs> because I knew it was at least seven. Open Train Beach Club in La Mer was there for about a year and a half. That was a gym concept along with the restaurants and bars and, and a pool yeah. beach club. My kind of gym that is. Yeah, it was. Outside yeah, and, inside, and it was so nice. You could go be. there, train in the morning, then lay by the pool all day. And especially if you're a personal trainer, it's a perfect place because you can just, you know, train and relax by the pool all day. And, you know, it was a nice place to work, but there was reasons why I left there. And then COVID, well, basically COVID hit and I got my redundancy. Um, then I was unemployed for a couple of months. And that was when I joined Brass Monkey, pre-opening team as the operations manager there got the place off the ground, did six months there, smashed it out of the park when we opened, really, really good venue. But again, um, COVID played a big role. We had really big issues with, obviously Brass Monkey, the concept is gaming, entertainment yeah. and F&B. So all of that rolled into one was being affected. So of course you're gonna suffer. Um, a lot of things that were promised didn't materialize. And uh, in the end, I got offered a new opportunity to open and this is my last place, by the way, where I'm at right now, to open a place in DIFC, which is somewhere I've never worked before. It's a little bit different to what I've done in my career, a bit more fine dining. Um, and yeah, now I'm there. I've been there since December. 
Uh, it's called Glow in DIFC. It's in Alpha Town Currency <laughs> House. Pop down and see me. It sounds like uh, <laughs> it sounds like a footballer who's just gone from club to club. Yeah, I mean the the thing is, it was my early stages of my career was nightclub. So you go from the Plan B, which is doing head candy and kinky malinky and hat club and big events like that, through um, then to Zinc, which was full on nightclub, yeah. and then things started to move more into the lounge bars um, and to where I am now, which is more like that's a, interesting though. Do you hmm. see do you see that as like just the way Dubai was always going now? Uh, I think so. I think if you look now... Would you step back into a nightclub row again after this? No, probably not. I don't know if it's to do with the fact that I've grown to a point in my life where I don't want to be working four, five, six in the morning with yeah. like loads of crazy drunk people. I don't know if it's that or the fact that I'm just like an old boring man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably one of the, probably the latter. But no, I don't know. I think Dubai was... It was going in the direction of people don't want to go so crazy in the clubs anymore. But I do think there was a, 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 a minority of venues that were taking the majority of the people. So you have these large scale venues that were opening. And I think that stemmed a lot from St. Nassimi Beach when that opened, when you had your yeah. massive outdoor events, which all the little clubs would suffer. So now I think people want a bit more of a different experience, especially um after what's happened with COVID, but that's another story. But I think now people like to go, they like to talk, they like to party and they like to chill as well as more more than just full on party rave, which Charles Young, you know, and that's your thing. But <laughs> but no, it's still prevalent. But I just think nowadays, I think people do want, or as again, maybe it's just me, but I think that's what people want. It's just want. more fashionable, isn't it? To go yeah. to a nice, a nice like lounge kind of vibe where you've got the bit of everything, where you, you, you go through the process of the evening where you've got, Obviously, nice cocktails, food, drink, atmosphere, and then it builds up. And I think that's where back in the day where Q43, I think, were, were the founder of that kind of vibe where you could literally go there after work and work your way through to then having that club experience, exactly, but yeah. not in a club. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah. And now it comes, it's become quite fashionable. That's the kind of vibe that a lot of people are going for. Yeah, I guess like you say, you get the best of both worlds. You don't really know that you're in a club until it ends up in a club. So like Q43 and you're bang on there, Kieran, was you go there early at seven, eight o'clock with your friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, chill, have a few drinks, have some food, and then you'll sit in the lounge. And then before you know it, Swifties on the decks, the lights are going mad and like you're in a full on party till three o'clock. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that is definitely true. That transition from vibe, like chill vibe to crazy yeah. vibe, yeah. So you, Kieran, you've been here just as long now, right? Yeah, uh, 12 years, 2009, made the big jump, 23. Um, yeah, again, obviously, uh, known Kevin for pretty much most of that time I've been here. Most of the guys that you've been speaking to as well, I've known pretty much from from the start. Um, not always been in the industry, always always had a passion for it. I was I got in the industry when I was very young, uh, working by in a bar at 17, so illegal. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a bit of, a, bit of an awkward one when uh, everyone came in to celebrate my 18th birthday while I was working behind the bar after working there for a year. But, um, but yeah, I've always had a passion for it. But when I moved to Dubai, um, completely different industry. I tried pretty much the standard which a British expat would do. I've tried the famous financial services. I've tried the recruitment, um, dabbled in a bit of real estate, all that kind of stuff. But my passion is is, is entertainment, every every aspect of my life. I love music. I, I love events. I, I love just uh, that, that entertainment lifestyle. Um, so yeah, from my first role within that industry uh, was working with Turret which are a huge events company here looking after Taste of Dubai, Taste of Abu Dhabi, Dubai Winter Festival, etc. So dealing with three-day festivals, 25,000, 30,000 people coming through for three days. 
I picked up a lot of different skill sets from when I was obviously in my younger years working in bars and clubs back home um, to, to learn the, the operational side of things. And that then gave me a lot of passion to, to pursue with that, um, set up my own little promotions business. Back in the day, which a few people will remember, G-List Entertainment, <laughs> very creative with the name there, um, doing boat parties and stuff like that. And yeah, we were smashing the boat parties for a long time. And it just, it was just, it was so much more laid back back then. You didn't have as much competition. It was easy to, to pick up, create an event. Everyone knew everybody. Um, and then it just grew, really. Um, like when we were talking about the, the way that Dubai has changed, since 2009, it's crazy how much it's changed in regards to how how rapid it's expanded as an industry. When we when we first moved over, it was such a tight net community where everywhere you went, you knew everybody. You'd literally go Barasti, you go to Cheer the Lodge. Cheer the Lodge. Cheer the Lodge. I was about to say, yeah, That's, some great memories there. Yeah, yeah, we have some great memories there, Mitch, from there. Yeah. Tiny's first uh, gig over here in Dubai. Um, and you had uh, what was the one that Kit did? He did all the garage did, night. Uh, he did the one in Atlantis, but that was a bit later on. No, there's one in uh, around the corner from Wax's So Hotel. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Kit, Kit Legend, by the way. Yeah, big uh, legend. Yeah, back in the day there. Um, then you had Blends at Address. Yeah. Everywhere you went, it was just like you're out with your friends. You could go out Boom on your own and just be with, with people you knew. Yacht Club back in the day, Tuesday oh, yeah. nights and Thursday nights. Obviously, again, Andy Swift uh, put that on the mark. So yeah, it's just just some, just some great nights out, and it's just I think the problem is is now it's quite overwhelming um, on how how big the industry is for every single aspect, whether that's a restaurant, whether it's a hotel, whether it's bars, whether it's clubs, um, and the way it has changed because these little small clubs back in the day, like I've worked with like uh, Mavida and places like that. Yeah, all these smaller clubs that's just been blown out the water because of the super clubs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously uh, it's, a, it's a tough industry and you just got to keep persevering with it. And mm. I'm quite proud of myself that the fact that even after all these years, so I'd probably say I got into events properly around 2013 and to still be doing that, what, eight years on, yeah. considering how much competition and how big uh, the industry's got, it's, it's tough. When you, when you talk about like competition and stuff, from then to now, there's obviously a lot more people that are in Dubai and the market is a lot bigger. So <clears throat> do you see the competition in a way where there's not enough people, but there's more promoters than there are actual people going to these events? Or do you think it's a level playing field for everyone here at the minute? I think there's enough people uh, to share amongst ourselves. However, what I feel is that everyone, there's two, uh, our clientele are sport for choice. It's probably the better way of putting it. When let's forget obviously what's going on right now, but if you go back to before COVID, every weekend there's like four or five major events on, and now how do you how do you compete with that? Um, and that that's probably the thing that I think is the is the hardest is when you've got Solomon playing over at Soho, and then you've got I don't know some massive hip hop artist at White, and then you've got something going on at Zero Gravity, and then you've got I don't know shout out Chris right Bongos Bingos going on something like that. There's there's a lot of things all happening all at once. So, so I think it's it's not about there's a lot of competition as in too many promoters or stuff like that. I just feel that Dubai as as a scale just puts way too many events on all at the same time. But so it's sport for choice. Kevin, you as a GM in that scenario, like obviously with where you're at now, you wouldn't be thinking that way. But 
How would you then decide on what would go in your venue on these weekends? Well, I think what Kieran just mentioned there, as you mentioned, a house event, a hip hop event, and you mentioned like a party event. So I think each one of them had their own niche. Um, so I don't know, it really depends. Uh, again, I personally think that um, it really depends on location, uh, what you're trying to target. Like you, if you're going to put a hip hop artist, you know, Rick Ross is performing at Soho, but you want, you're not going to bring, I don't know, French Montana to come and play on the same night. It would be a bit silly. So I think going forward, promoters, club managers, GMs should talk a bit more to make sure that they're not over like double booking or like having the same kind of events going on. Can you honestly see that happening? Though? No, probably not. Cause it's, everyone's <laughs> always spoke about it, but it's, it's something that's, People have always spoke about the industry, from what I know, uh, but I've never really put it into action. Like we, were, when I was at Cristal doing events there with 411 with Bliss, we would have massive artists come down and perform. But on the same night, we were rivaled with uh, what was it called? The other big, uh, I can't remember the bloody club name now. But it was like there was always a competition on the same night. It was almost like they were battling it out who would. Oh, White, White was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So White started their hip hop night on a Saturday. And I think maybe you're involved in it. Sorry, bro. No, go for it. Um, <laughs> but then for Bliss was doing his. So we always used to think, why don't like they talk? And like maybe they do like, something on a different night or whatever. But like there's, there is a lot of people in Dubai, but there's also a, a select amount of people that these type of clubs are targeting to spend the big money. It's okay to get like the masses of people. Um, but these these people that come and spend 50, 60,000 on a table, they're, they're not, they're few and far yeah. between nowadays. So I don't know, like for me, I've, I've um, you know, I've, I've seen it all, all different sides of the coin. And um, I just think that people need to communicate better to make sure that everyone wins, to be honest. I think that's the only way we're going to survive the next few years once things go back to normal uh, and COVID lifts and the restrictions lift. I think people are going to be, it's going to be like, you know, the comeback is on kind of thing. And I think that's, people need to then really, you know, I think I think it could go either way though. I think once everything does come back to normal, it's either going to be <clears throat> everyone goes all in, the biggest battles ever, mm. or everyone's going to be a bit more reserved and just let things. Yeah, it might be a slow back. trickle to begin with, but then again, who knows? We're going into one of the toughest times of the year in Dubai, which is summer. No one's going to be open really outdoors, so you yeah. can't have any big events anyway. Um, in the, you know, in the outdoor venues, um, not to say that the, the indoor places are going to you know, do their best to make the money back that they've lost over the last year and a half, two years. Um, but who knows? I mean, all I know is that there's a lot happening, you know, blah, blah, just open. Look at that. It's an incredible venue. Um, there's, from what I'm hearing, there's another 40 licenses being granted after Ramadan for F&B. So there's, it's, it's not, it's not stopping. It's not slowing down. It's going to keep growing and growing. And I do think Dubai will recover. And if there's anywhere on earth, where you know right now where people can go and enjoy and have a party is probably in Dubai because you know there's people are coming from all over the world aren't they still yeah. um but I think the industry suffered uh from the entertainment to you know singers DJs artists all of that it's going to take a hell of a lot for them to come back but it's not impossible and I think everyone will stick together hopefully I'm yeah sure I think I think if there's a time where people are going to stick together it has to be after this period because I just don't think it's a time to be battling each other. And I think even on a promoter level to you, Kieran, I think <clears throat> now is a time for promoters to actually work together. Which yeah, I agree. Like, I've not seen it happen in Dubai the way it does anywhere else in the world. We've had this conversation a number of times. Um, for me, I'm open to working with pretty much anyone because the way I look at it is if you've got your crowd, I've got my crowd, for example, why can we not do a, a bigger a bigger scale event together? Yeah. The problem is, is um, I feel that 
too many people feel that they can they can they can achieve it on their own anyway. Uh, they don't want to share. Do you know what I mean? And it's and it's crazy. I'm like, well, for, we're all in the same industry. Why don't we Why don't we do something that does stand out that that makes it. You can then compete with the clubs, for example. If the promoters come together and put stuff on, there's there is a way of competing with the, the bigger scale events as well. But Yeah, but I like I get what you're saying, but then you've got like you've got certain promoters that are loyal to maybe a group. And the moment you kind of take that away from them going to do something, that is gotta take it away from the, the the group that they're loyal to on a big day then that can potentially mess up a relationship. Like you as a GM, if you've got an event that is strong with a promoter and then on that day he's like, I'm going to go and do a big thing, you're not going to be happy about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it probably wouldn't to be fair. I mean, it depends. As you say, there is loyalty, but few and far between in Dubai when it comes to these things. I think everyone... Yeah, I'd I'd like to hear that from a GM actually about loyalty. I think think there's a lot of... um, There's a lot of people come and gone and... Like Kieran was saying, he's been here a long time and he's done, he's done really well. But there are some new new kids on the block that will come through and they'll try and undercut and and, and make, yeah. they'll try and you know feel like they know it all. Whereas these old school Dubai kids like ourselves, um, you know, we know the history of it. But it, to be honest, does it really matter? I think if you come in, you're smart, you know what you're doing. Anyone can win, and I think that's where the lot the lot all fade because no one's really has no loyalty to anyone over here. They come in, they earn, and they go. So I don't know if we can really put any. Focus on the loyalty. I think it's just um, as humans, I guess, we've got to come together and make sure that this end industry rebuilds itself. Yeah. Um, but that's maybe a dream. I don't know. Let's see. The biggest thing for me is rebuilding the entertainment side of it because, like, I'm speaking to so many people trying to get things in line for hopefully entertainment coming back after Ramadan. Most of them are gone. It's, it's crazy how many people have left, which is understandable. Obviously, you can make no money. Most of them are probably owed thousands of dirhams as well, which is another topic. Um, and yeah, they've left this life, which how do you get them back in? Because there's a lot of talent that has, lot, that has left, sorry, um, that we should be trying to get back in and we should be looking after. Um, and what you said there as well is there is people come over and I've noticed it especially um, towards the back end of COVID, uh, last year, sorry, uh, during COVID, when all these young artists, DJs coming over and they're going into clubs and they're working for 350 dirhams or 500. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then you've got the old school DJs are like, well, I don't, I don't go, I work for that for an hour. And yeah. it's like they're doing three hour sets for 500 dirhams yeah. and stuff like that, which that, that plays a massive effect because you as a GM, you look at your P&L, yeah. you're going, well, I've got a DJ here who's well, going to exactly, play for 500. Yeah. I've got a DJ that's been here 10 years who played for 15. Sorry, music's music in in my eyes right exactly, now yeah, with but... with P and L, and that, that's that's obviously a tough situation to be in. Yeah, it's hard. Um, but how do you look at that situation? Would, is, for you as a GM, <clears throat> would you be like, okay, this is the cheap option, we have to go with it? No, I mean, look, for me, first of all, I would look at the quality of the product first, rather than just going in and saying, "Well, this kid's come over from Russia, or this kid's come over from England, or this kid, wherever, and let's he's, he can play music. Let's stick him in for five hundred dirhams for the night." I mean, first of all, people uh, like DJs, singers, they have a following over here. You know, there's people that stick together. So, you know, you're going to get a certain type of crowd come. Um, on the flip side, yeah, you've got to look at the money side of it nowadays as well. Um, because it's so, you know, the, the business is saturated and it is so tough right now to bring in people to the venue that you are looking to save a few quid. But for me, I'll never uh, substitute quality over, over, you know, just bringing in someone to save a few quid. But few that's, that's also the difference between like, experienced GMs <clears throat> and non-experienced GMs. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've all worked with, obviously more me and Kieran, we've worked with different types of GMs that 
to me in the industry, GMs and venues come and go the most out of anything. Yeah. And I don't know if that is because of an experience or whatever, but like yeah, it's all it's massive incestuous industry. They're bouncing around all over the place. Um, but I think that's just hospitality. Look yeah. at yeah. speaking to uh, F and B directors and marketing directors and GMs of hotels. They're the same. It's like every twelve months they're in a different venue. Um, how do you stop that? But why though? Like even for you going from venue to venue as you have, mm. is it is it you getting offered jobs or is it you just like? No, to be honest, if you look at the early part of my career, I was in Q42, two years, Inc, four years, Bliss, two years, two years, two years, two years, here and there. The last couple of years, you know, it's been, you know, the reason why I left Train Beach Club was because I got my redundancy because they couldn't afford to pay me to sit around in a gym that weren't making any money and and a beach club that weren't allowed people in it. So that made sense. Brass Monkey, again, um, it's, it's a whole other story, which I'm not sure I want to go into too much on on, uh, on this podcast. <laughs> but there were reasons why I left there. But like, it's another one of the big reason was because of the current situation yeah. in the world. So the last couple of years, and also, as I mentioned before, my my big jump was when I left Treehouse to try something new. Yeah, That kind of, if I'm honest, as a man, it knocked me a bit uh, in my in my life to like where, where you're going, what you're doing, and I had to kind of rebuild and come back. No, I'm, I'm still in F&B and I'm still about. And I do look back, feel proud like I've been here for 13 years and I've sustained what I've, you know, I've managed to stay here and still be pretty hopefully prevalent in this <laughs> nightlife scene. Yeah, I think where, you'd, you'd yeah. definitely be one of the longest serving GMs here, surely, like. They, yeah, there's probably so many that have come and gone. Do you get people literally <coughs> knocking on your door to come over to get you to come over? Well, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, look, I have a lot of what. In fact, nearly every single job that I've ever got has been through someone that I know that's yeah. recommended me or pushed my CV, or has you know set up a meeting or whatever. Um, I think even right down to my job now at Glow, my my girlfriend Lixi, she introduced me to the guy. And uh, who runs, he owns Air in DIFC and introduced me. And that was when we just had this meeting and now I'm where I am with them. Um, So I don't think, I've never really had to fortunately had to go looking. But then again, nowadays, there are a lot of new, young, experienced GMs on the block. As I said, I turned 40 last year and um, I feel like my experience gives a lot more than what some of these new kids can offer but also maybe they're taking less money or whatever the reason is that people are now starting to look. So it works all the way through from GM level, even higher than that, you know, now everyone's looking to save some 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 peas, as they say. <laughs> yeah, talking about peas now, this is where I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. Why does it take so long to get paid in Dubai coming from a GM? Oh yeah, this is something that- Or uh, just getting paid. Or just getting, getting paid, paid in general. Yeah. Like, are uh, you are you as a GM in the same position as me as a DJ sometimes, Kieran as a promoter to get paid, or are you the reason why we are not no, getting I'll paid? No, I'll time? tell you what the reason is why, <laughs> and, and I hope this don't backlash for me. Look, there is a lot of, I think a lot of, it's been uh, a part of the industry and a part of the culture for some reason of Dubai from from all I can remember right back to when I first come that people feel it's okay. When I say people, I say maybe um, F&B directors of hotels, um, promoters even that feel it's okay not to pay until uh, two months later or whatever. It's never just been like, okay, I'm going to pay you next week. It's always been there. But I think it's got worse and worse since this situation has happened with the world. But yeah, I mean, look, even as I said, just mentioned my girlfriend again, that she's, she's, she's suffering right now. She's owed money 
since December, still not paid for New Year's Eve gigs. It's something like, you know, whether it be singers, DJs, um, even security guys that have worked from security companies still waiting for their money. So I don't know. I can't really give you a reason. I can honestly say that I've never sat there myself and said, don't pay them now. Like, and, and it wouldn't be down to me anyway. I'm always the one pushing for it. Like, you know, these guys have done their, and any any staff member will tell you, by the way, that, you know, I'm always supporting the staff first. So, like, if someone's done their dues and they've worked, given them their money, you know, that's just the way it is. But there is, you know, they think it's okay to write a check for two months from now, or like the contract says you'll be paid from 60 days from the date, like, but the promoter gets paid after one month. Like, I don't know. So, I don't know, like, why, but it seems to be part of the, Dubai culture since I can remember. So it's literally has been for that long been, since you've come. Yeah, no one's ever really paid on time, and you have to wait. Especially not maybe not so much with just DJs or whatever, but say events. Like I did events in 2010. So you do a 14 day event. I work for my Butler, the golf event in Abu Dhabi. And it's like, oh, you'll get payment after like 45 days or something. I'm thinking, well, why? Which turns out to be 90. Yeah, and then it takes in, and and this is really really true that people are waiting a long long time to get their money. I don't know why. I think it's it's purely the the mindset of well, it's always happened, so it's okay. We'll pay them later on, or we'll pay them into the next quarter, or whatever it may be, the reason. But there's I I can't really give you a solid reason. I just don't know. But I know that there's it's been there from a very long time. That sort of mindset. I've had this conversation a number of times, chasing money, and my argument always is down to the same thing: the money's in your till. That that entertainer, that promoter, DJ, no matter what, every single person that's that worked that event is is just as valuable. Yeah, yeah. The, to the barman, to to yourself as the GM, mm. you've all played a part. So everybody should be getting paid, and this is the most frustrating thing. And one thing that, that I will uh, will vouch for, and hopefully everyone that listens to this will say, is I always pay. You know, the most important thing mm. to me is keeping everyone happy. Yeah. I hate being in debt to people, and the most important thing is making sure that every artist because. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's your reputation and you want to be looked after. And the amount of venues that I've gone to look at and I've said to somebody, oh, I'm looking at this venue, stay away from them, they don't pay. Now, how is that any good to you as a, as a GM of a, of a exactly. bar or restaurant or whatever, where you've got people actually saying, don't go and work for them. And then you're wondering why you're not getting busy because at the end of the day, the, the, you do need promoters, mm. yeah? Um, <laughs> unless you've got a load of money and you can just throw money at artists and stuff like that. But promoters, entertainment, it's the most vital part of of this industry. And not paying them or looking after them, for me, just it's, it's just mind-boggling. It's, yeah. it's such a detriment to you as a business, but also to the industry. I think a lot of, um, you know, especially nowadays, that the, the, the loyalty, as we were speaking about earlier, or, or your reputation is, is huge now because... You know, there's certain people that I wouldn't work with because I know that they've, you know, in the past not paid their DJs or their prom the promoters have not paid their singers and whatever. So I think nowadays, if you do not pay on time or you give, you, you we're going through like a couple of promoters nowadays. As I said again, talking about my, my missus, um, she's still waiting for money, but, and I'm not going to mention the, the promoters. But for sure, these people, when the industry comes back, will not people won't want to work with them they'll boycott them so what that that's they're, they're just going to be their own detriment you know what i mean they're going to yeah burn but it for themselves like kieran is a promoter <clears throat> if you've heard about a company that don't pay but they could be the place you need to be doing an event at would you still not go and do an event there because they wouldn't pay uh, and if they came to you the figure with me uh you know i'm i'm pretty stern when it comes to my contracts and, and, and payment um if it really is a venue that I feel that's got a lot of potential and and can can basically change to my change my business or change my event or whatever it may be. Then, 
yeah, but then I'd, I'd lay the ground and I, I'd be completely honest. I'd say, listen, I've heard this. I'll, I'll work with you, but on these terms and conditions. And for me, you, you've got to be a point as well. You've got to work in pride where you, if you just keep going to work every single day and not getting paid, you wouldn't do that in a full-time job. Yeah. So why would you do that in, as an entertainer or exactly. why would you do that as a promoter? You, if you're not getting paid for, for doing your job, then do you know what? It's been six, it's been two months, it's been three months. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and you've got to value yourself as well. The way I look at it is if I'm putting a brand in a venue and I'm making them money, they're going to lose more if I walk away and take my event elsewhere than they will by not paying me or paying me, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah but it just seems like the buyer don't really care about that. That's exactly it. They don't, there's no, even though you say terms and conditions, contracts, does it really, it's, it's BS to be honest, doesn't mean much. Uh, the contract that the paper that you signed on don't mean anything. You know, people can, you can wait and wait and wait for money and you've got to go through a hell of a lot just to get your money back. Um, and I think that's, again, all part of the mindset of like, it's okay, it doesn't really matter because I know I can wait and pay you later on yeah. if I have to. Um, but then you're in a catch-22. If you're a DJ or you're a singer and, you, and you're working for a bar and they're not paying you, but you're under a contract and you think, well, if I leave, I'm not going to get my money. But if I stay, all they're doing is owe me more money. You're just going round and round and round in circles. And that's happened to a lot of people I know who are still owed money, you know, to this day. And like these people, they don't get, as I mentioned earlier, don't get visas, don't get medical insurance, don't get a ticket home. They have to pay for everything themselves. So it still baffles me why why different uh, venues, promoters feel like it's okay to not pay. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy. What do you think the, the way of protecting that? There was a lot of talk during um, the start of COVID. Uh, Charles Chucker and everyone was doing a lot of Zoom meetings, meeting up with the artists. I jumped in a couple of those calls just listening. And um, there was obviously a lot of chat about trying to put some sort of insurance policy in place yeah. and some sort of platform <clears> where <throat> um, the venues have to pay uh, DTCM or whoever it may be. And then that, the, the artist gets paid to their money's being protected on that kind of scenario. Yeah. Uh, 50% up front, 50% after. There's there's loads of stuff. Surely something's got to be, got to be put in place because it's our industry, and I'm talking about all of us here, we don't have, we had no protection at exactly. all. Exactly, there's no, no protection. There is no protection. getting paid 70% of your salary or there is no, I'm going to drop your wages down. It's, we go to work, we get paid. If we don't go to work, we don't get paid. And it doesn't help when people are not paying us anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think, look, you mentioned Charles then and Charles, another old school guy that I remember back in the day running Infusion magazine. And um, it's it's interesting to know that these these OGs are now bringing this to the front because I think there's no other way to go really anymore. We have to involve some kind of higher, you know, the government or as you say, DTCM needs to get involved because the, the literally entertainers, artists, DJs, they don't have a leg to stand on. They have no real rights. You know, they're working hard, you know, to earn the money and they earn some good money, by the way, if they're working in different venues, they can earn some really good money over the month. But if they're not getting paid, then it's irrelevant. But um, yeah, I think unless, we do involve the, the government in some way, you know, because they ultimately the government protect, Labour protects, you know, the staff. So yeah. they have all these rights. You can call Labour law and say, right, I'm not being paid. Da, da, da. But then what, what right does a singer have or a DJ have? They have no one they can call. They just have to send a nasty email to the F&B director and say, where's my money? I think also the biggest thing as well is because of how much red tape there is in this country regarding working. We know a lot of these, obviously, for freelancers, they're they're here. They're not on a, on a proper work visa yeah, or all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, but and that, then they're, they're scared to go to Ministry of Labour and say, by the way, I'm owed this money. But that would also stem back to making it easier 
for people like through the government like if you are a freelancer make it easier to get a visa make there be some sort of scheme that as a freelancer mm-hmm. or a dj whatever <clears throat> you can get your own visa you don't have to heavily because that's 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 the long and short of it a lot of these clubs know that these people don't have visas they don't have this and they can kind of just string them along as long as possible because mm. they're not going to go anywhere but if there was some sort of like and i'm i'm pretty sure now you can get a freelance visa yeah, you can pay yeah, for pre- one yourself. Yeah. You can get your own visa for a year or whatever. Yeah, you can do it under your own name, get yeah. a bank account, pretty simple. Yeah, so I think the that stuff happening more and then like what you're saying, what Charles trying to do and stuff like that, it will help, but there will always be that yeah. like, yeah, we'll pay you then, we'll pay you well, then. Because, you know, you can't DJ in a venue without a license, as we all know. It's not like you can rock up to a bar and like you can back home and then play a set yeah. you know there's there's protocols to it you have to give your passport you have to give your Emirates ID if you're not got Emirates ID then you, know, you have to give um, as I said the passport and then they have to do the checks on you then they, they will um, submit you pay so that's the, the, you the process the is there when a club applies months. for the NOC yeah. here's the fee like and then yeah. just get paid That that's the perfect scenario what about yeah. over 50% that now, from now on literally you get 50% as soon as you're booked yeah, again, look, there, there's, so we can go through a lot, a lot of those different scenarios. I just think that there has to be some kind of protection and safety net from yeah. from a higher body, whereas, like, there's nothing of that, and there has never been nothing of that. And I think entertainment, Dubai thrives and lives off entertainment, yep. you know, and off of promoters and off of DJs and off of singers. And and if without them, well, it's pretty obvious what's happening, right? Because everyone, if, you know, right now with COVID, you can't have it, and everything's like, yeah. oh, there's, some, you know, there's no... There's no vibe. Um, it's like the soul has just been yeah, it's from been ripped Dubai. out of you. You know what I mean? There's no and, entertainment. It's crazy. And I think they really do need to be looked after a lot more moving forward. And I think the government have done a hell of a lot for, you know, they've granted a lot more indus- uh, licenses for the industry, and they've opened up the restrictions a bit more pre-COVID to like these big clubs and all that. But then they now need to protect the bread and butter of the yeah. industry, which. Who knows? Maybe we can get it's something interesting. from this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully. That's the, that's the plan with the podcast. Yeah. Every episode is like, let's start a campaign to do this. Let's start a campaign <laughs> to do that. Charles, you're president. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Not, not here. No, thanks. <laughs> I don't know fly well. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, you being a GM, like, and say Kieran's worked with you before, when you move from place to place, as like you've worked in different places, do you feel there's like an obligation to kind of try and work with the people you know and the old school people that you kind of came up um, with? Well, look, I met all of you when I went to Brass Monkey and I was like meeting with all different people that I've known throughout the industry. And first of all, I would like to think that I definitely would work with people that not only because I know them, but because I know their history and I know yeah. what they've done in the industry and I know what they can bring to the table. I'd have to say that I'd always have to think of the business first. Like, okay, not to say that like, okay, I know you guys, but I also know these guys, which one would be best for this venue? And I think I mentioned it to many different guys across the town when I met with Ray, even from Candy Pants, I met with you guys, like, what do I feel would be best for this venue? Like, I won't just say, okay, right, you guys bring in your event because I know you. it would be like, well, it, would it work? Is that business model right? So that's kind of what I run through in my, with myself before I then look at bringing in something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's ultimately it's all about making money for the for the venue, isn't it? And and if I don't feel that the brand's right and it doesn't fit, then 
you know, I will be as loyal as I can, but there's there's no point in doing something I'm just going to fail if I feel like it's not right. I think that's the same sort of scenario, really, when it comes to to choosing artists. Me and you, Mitch, we've got loads of friends that are, that are DJs, entertainers. You put an event on, your phone goes, can you give me the gig? Can you give me the gig? And it's, it's, it's like, how do you put some of these down and be like, Oh, actually, I prefer this person for this reason, and you got you got to protect the brand at the end of the day. And it, it must be hard. But like, I've known you for a long time. We worked with each other at Treehouse, um, and as soon as you moved to Price Monkeys, I, I was on your case because the venue is is, is a great venue and had a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, but it must be difficult as well, especially because most of us that have been here, what. Ten plus years, we are we're, we're generally mates. We're not we're not we're not just yeah. like colleagues in the industry. That's, we're mates. That's, that's why I ask because I've done events where I've booked like the new school DJs, and then the older friends that were also friends and good DJs would be like, "Well, why have you not booked me?" Like, have you had any situations where it's just got sour in that way with um, friends and stuff? Like, have you have you lost relationships because of it? No, not really. To, if I'm honest, no, not that I know of. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think, look, I think, as I said before, I think everyone, any professional would understand a reason behind your, your decision. Like, yeah. I've not, you know, mentioned in Swifty a few times across here. Um, I knew that Swifty would be right for a certain venue, but not right for for, for another venue that I worked in. You know, like, I wouldn't well, bring would Swifty. would love to play every venue, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's got that across the board where he can play everything. But like when I was doing events with Bliss Inc, when I was managing 10, 12 DJs there, from Kezo, which is one type of DJ, right through to Bliss to, uh, uh, I don't know, like we had um, MC Money Plus, we had like MCs on the, we had all these old school guys, new school guys, we had everyone. And and I don't know, like I knew that I couldn't throw Swifty in the mix of a 411 hip hop night, yeah. it just wouldn't work. Whereas I knew that I could put him on a party set in, in Q43, for example. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really depends on the gig, as you say, and what venue, and and you know, you have to assess is it right for what I'm trying to achieve, and that's the bottom line for me. And I can't really remember any relationship going south, to be fair. From not, you know, I've had people saying like, oh, you know, can you consider me? Um, but then I, even a lot of the time, you know, at Brass Monkey, for example, I was a GM, but my I can only give my advice to the owners. And then they made their decision on the DJs and they made their decision on everything. So that was, you know, I never really had a hand on that. And that was kind of frustrating for me. Um, but a lot of the time, it's not only down to the gym. There's a lot of other people that have to have a say in it. Yeah, so. that's interesting, actually. And if certain roles that you played as a GM, has each one been different in terms of the control you have? Yeah, over the definitely. Place? Yeah. So you, if I look back at Treehouse, for example, I pretty much had zero control over anything. It was run by the hotel even down to, you know, the security manager telling me, no, you're not allowed to let this person in the barn. I'm like, you know, we had Laura from Love Island, old school Dwight Laura, you remember? She came down with some 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 VIP guests and whatever, and then they stopped at the door and it was quite embarrassing. It was on the after party of Kieran's event, I think. And they're like, no, you're not letting her in. Like, so that that lack of like, you know, my, it's, it's my bar and I make the decisions and let me run how I know it should be run. Uh, whereas in Q43, I kind of had free reigns where I would run the door. I'd make sure I, you know, I was in control of everything, even from Zinc days. Um, never really had much interference from the hotel. So everywhere has been different, yeah, for sure. Um, we've always the number one uh, thought in mind is the business and making yeah. sure that we're doing well and trying to make sure that we bring in as much as we can for, for the business. So. so you as a promoter dealing with GMs, you have must have experienced some like inexperience and lack of control 
Yeah. You're looking at Kevin like <laughs> Kevin was the first person. Yes. <laughs> no, no me, me, me and Kevin have uh, got some mutual uh, experience. And um, yeah, look, you, there's, there's, there's a lot of places are run differently. Um, and then that, that's probably one of the hardest things um, that you have to do as a promoter is learn to adapt with so many different skill sets and the way the venues are, are managed. Um, there's some amazing guys out there. There's a lot of experience. I've worked with some, some amazing venues. I've worked with some amazing GMs. I've worked with some terrible ones as well. Um, and you just have to have patience. And the, our job is more about educating them how to run an event because especially if you work in hotels, I think hotels are different breeds to working with independent venues. I think anyone that owns an independent venue, they've kind of got that 360 experience of, of running every single part of the business where hotels, there's a lot of tears. Um, there's so many different people you have to go through for every aspect. And I just feel that a lot of the teams in the hotels are more focused on running a hotel rather than yeah. the events and the FMB side that comes with it. And that's probably the biggest challenge that most of us have because we're working with predominantly hotels because most venues are obviously inside a hotel. So you're dealing with dealing with them, you're dealing with FMB directors, you're dealing with marketing, which no offense to anyone that's in marketing in the hotels, but um, they're more predominantly experienced in marketing as a hotel, so getting tourism to come in rather than understanding the marketing strategies that go behind getting people into their to their venues for events. And then you've got GMs that again, they're they're very experienced in managing the hotel, but they don't have that 360 full view of, of every aspect and so you, you tend to deal quite a lot of uphill challenges. Also as well is is the relationships like we spoke about earlier is people don't stick around long enough. And one thing that I try and do and um, did with, with our previous company is try and build brands that last for two, three years and onwards. Do you know what I mean? So and that, during that time, you'll work with three or four different people, which is, again, that's a different mindset. That's someone else's opinion. You're, you're reevaluating on how the events you run. They've got different P&Ls. Yeah. There's a number of different things. So it, it, is, is, a, it is a challenge. It is exactly like football, isn't it, really? <laughs> the more you guys are talking, I'm like, it is football. A new manager comes in, wants to change the team around, yeah, exactly. probably doesn't believe in what you what you believe in. Yeah, every manager in the hotel is like Jose Marino. They don't last more than eighteen months. <laughs> but not, the thing is, also are out. they a lot of hotels or a lot of venues will bring in a GM from somewhere else. Maybe they bring one in from Paris, they bring one in from yeah. London, they bring one, and they don't know. And and I'm sorry, there's I think Dubai is quite unique in like how things are run and the mentality of the people and, no, and, the, and the venues. Like, I think there's nowhere like Dubai. No, and they don't. They've got a different mentality. And I was guilty of that when I came over from England. And I was like so like my my mind was super i was working in leicester square in london i opened uh one of the biggest casinos there and we had i was in charge of like this vip night club uh inside the casino and that the whole mindset from there coming to dubai i was like blown out i was young anyway i was only 27 when i arrived here but um i was just it was completely different mentality and it's still the same now if you're going to bring someone over it's going to take them a while to get climatized to dubai and the way of thinking and the people and then before you know it, they've not succeeded because they've not, they don't understand what Dubai needs quick yeah. enough and then they're out the door. It's sad though. But yeah. It's the reality of Dubai, I guess. But that's yeah. not even just on a GM or like hotel base. I think that's across the board completely. And we yeah. see over Christmas with the promoters and DJs coming in. Yes, at that time it's great, but to last here long term, I just don't see it. Mm. Which for us being here full time is a good thing. Yeah. But it's just, it is a crazy place. There's nothing, there's no place in the world that is like Dubai and how it's run. Like just looking at 
every club having to be in a hotel and hotels running them like where is that in the world yeah I do, I do think Dubai reached such a height of you know the entertainment and and the amount of clubs and the amount of party I think it was one of the, the one of the facts was one of the biggest consumption of champagne in the world in Dubai um, because if you imagine how much they spend on these these bottles and the rich they come in from Saudi they come in from the states they come in from all over the different places across the world and they can't even pay fortune. their DJs yeah <laughs> <laughs> But That's like, the worst yeah, thing about it. Yeah. And like I've I've been there, <laughs> and anywhere I've DJ, this is the only place in the world I haven't been paid before I DJ. And then you get up DJing, and you look out, and you just see everyone as money. Yes, they're not paying to get in, but you can see everyone with a drink in their hand. Yeah, that is money. So yeah, no, like Kieran mentioned earlier on, like I mean. They should pay them on the day, take the money out of the till, whatever it may yeah, be. But that's, but that's old school. Have right? the exactly. have the money ready, have yeah. the envelope, sign it, done. The manager comes over, the promoter comes over, done. There's Doing your money events there. in England, it was like I would have had my envelopes written out with how much yeah. needs to go in there. First bit of money goes into these envelopes, pay straight away. Then like, I guess it might have to happen from the people then, like right right from from the promoter that comes in and says, Right, I'm gonna bring this to the table, but I want money every time on the day before we do the event because or you say give me give me three four weeks i'll show you what i can bring and after that i want paying every day on the on the, on yeah, the but dot. then you as a gm and i come to you and say that to you you then have to get approval from above yeah but i think if everyone done it then you either have no entertainment or you or you pay on time like i don't know there's there's got to be because i think if we try and think about going through the bigger channels it's going to take long long time so I think the power of the people, you know, like you say, like this this Super League <laughs> yeah, BS that's going on right now, you know, the people are going to stand up for that. And I think it's obviously not on any kind of scale or similar, but the point is, I think the people need to do something about it. And if See, we, you know. For me now, I'd prefer to make sure, I'd prefer to push that people got paid before making everyone work together. And yeah. I think like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that, that could be half of the reason why people are not working together as well. Yeah. Because. There, there may be certain places that are paying and people are just sticking to that. Like, I touch wood and I'm thankful. I, I've not really had that problem of not being paid in Dubai, but mm. I know people that I work with, some of them ain't been paid for six, seven months. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And then when they call, like, there's, they, 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 they just get dismissed. Oh, we're working on it. Oh, I need approval. I need a signature. I need this. I need yeah, that. the signature thing is crazy. And then no, I they, need to get eighteen signatures to sign this check. That's exactly There's only space for one signature. <laughs> it is. It is. It's terrible, really. When you, and it's comical as well. At the same time, you look back, you just think, my God, like, how can they get away with it? But they do, and that's why I think there definitely needs to be a stand. And I think if Charles and all that were doing something about it before COVID hit, then hopefully they could continue that after. It's, it's only good of the industry. If, if everyone's getting paid, we get more people coming in. Um, the reputation of the industry grows. M more events will then grow. Uh, it, it's, it's just a, a big chain. I think I said it on one of the other pods. I think if there was more promoters and less of clubs doing their own events, then I think it'd be easier to, be, to get paid. Because if you're, if, if say every club has promoters instead of in-house type events mm. where they're booking residents, the promoter then becomes in control to the point where if the promoter leaves, nothing can happen. That's that yeah, about that going night. back to my point about like making sure that, that us as promoters yeah. or, or you guys, you know, I say me as a GM, but definitely as well. But it's like, if you bring in someone, 
this is what I can bring to the table, yeah. but I want paying first so that I don't, you know, my, my guys get paid. It's not even about my commission I get from it. It's making sure the DJ gets paid. We put on an event, everyone's happy. I, I don't get why they have to wait that long anyway to earn 1,500 dirhams, 2,000 dirhams, whatever. I mean, do you think the industry is just going to keep growing? Though? Do you think, where, where do you see it in the next five years regarding Definitely, like, I think it's going to brands grow. and stuff? Yeah, I think, look, we're going to, I do think summer 2022 is when we're going to be kind of back to normal in terms of clubs and um, having a bit more freedom. I don't think things are going to change too much this year, obviously with the expo coming up. But I think it's going to be a long road to recovery, but definitely it's going to be probably stronger than ever, I think, in the next couple of years. Um, because Purely because you can see it was going and going and going. It was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The industry was growing so much. There was so much money in it. And, you know, there were like the white, for example, I mean, obviously base closed down once we had this COVID hit, but I think it was getting to such a high peak that it's it's going to get back there. It'll just take a bit bit longer now once things go back but to normal. But do we want it to get back to that? I don't know. I mean, like I mentioned, I think at the beginning of the podcast, I prefer to have a different environment nowadays. I don't necessarily want to go out to white or I might want to go and see one DJ play at Soho, but... Are people going to want to be surrounded by 2,000 people anymore? Is it going to be, are people going to be comfortable with it? Are you going to be able to look at someone the same again where you're going to go and shake their hand and say hello? And, you know, is it going to be, it will be, but it's going to take time. I'm not going to lie, I'd love to jump in the middle of 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least DJ in front yeah, of 2,000. Yeah, no, I saw, yeah, I saw your post every day. I think it's very 50 50 split in that scenario where different mindsets. Yeah, I've exactly. Got friends yeah. that are literally petrified to sit next to someone that they don't know at brunch to, people that are literally like let's, let's just get back in the clubs yeah. let's get out the one thing I can't wait to do is to see a DJ and and hug my mates and tell them yeah. how much I love them and <laughs> enjoy the music again because it's it's bizarre like like I said earlier it's literally like the soul yeah I think everyone's desperate gone. to get back to that I just think it's going to take a bit of time as I said I think it's definitely going to go back if not better than it was um, you know people are going to be on stage again DJs are going to be DJing again um, there is going to be 1200 people sitting in zero gravity pool on a Saturday afternoon again giving everyone anxiety before, giving me anxiety before I walk in it but um, I yeah I think that's it. definitely I think, gonna I think that's the pool I wouldn't want to be in yeah exactly yeah <laughs> just looking at it it's like no offense oh. to zero gravity <laughs> but if you went back five years forget like the COVID stuff but if you went back five years ago and thought what would Dubai be like in five years would you have thought it's got to that point Oh, yeah, for both years, really. Yeah. I would, yeah, but just just because of how rapidly it was growing. If you had asked me in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven, those first two years, I would have gone no, because for it, it was baffling enough being here, and it was you felt honoured that you could go out. It was like every night felt special back then because yeah. people didn't really understand why you moved to Dubai. I had friends for even four years after moving here. What you what are you living over there for? You can't even drink. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Come the ignorance is still there, by um, the way. People don't really know. I, I like that though. Yeah, I like the ignorance of, oh, you can't walk here, you can't do that, you can't. Yeah, it's hold what you hear, what you hear on the news, isn't it? Oh, and I've read on online that you you can't hold hold someone's hand. It's like, you know, you're not. It's it's like not. That. Yeah, completely different now. So. <laughs> But I'm glad it's gone that way because it had to. I mean, Dubai's evolved so much. And as you say, back in the day, Kieran, when 2008, 9, 10, it was a very, very different place. Um, and people didn't really know. But nowadays, if you look at the people out and about now, you've got a lot younger clientele. Before it was yeah. like mid-20s to early 30s. Was Now you're looking at, you know, you've got your 21-year-olds coming over. 
and you know and there's the there are people over here spending good money um but it's a different it's a different place to work now yeah i miss the one thing i will say is i miss that tight net community but that's yeah. maybe because we've got old and everyone else now is all married up kids and our age group are all settled down but i do miss that where everywhere you go it's like you're out with dubai do you yeah know what I mean? now i go out most times and i don't know anyone it's crazy how the industry's changing and do you know what though? part of that is <clears throat> like the events though and i think this is where it can bring that back like even uh, it was your birthday you came for the garage thing mm. like that to me that was yeah, the most, was, that yeah. felt the most like. Oh, that was one of the about. best Connected. events yeah. I've been. I was, that nostalgia for me was insane. And that's, that's what will bring that back. Like if you, even if you just say like Yacht Club, I don't know what's there now, but if there was a bar in there and someone decided to create an event there and just made it a revival event, you'll, you'll get that back. Yeah. Bring back Swifties to, to, to go down that sort of route, get that the traditional ladies night back in there again. But do you know what used to bring everyone close as well? Like obviously the world's evolved and now you've got everything at the touch of a button on your hand. Yeah. And like, whereas I think if you go back to the 2011s and all that, you used to get Chol and, and the guys do Infusion magazine where you always used to look forward to that little magazine coming out. You'd read the interviews and the DJs would be mentioned and it would be like, they'd choose two, three guys to say their favorite tracks. And that was all very, um, you know, everyone knew each other and it was very personal, but now it's just like you know you've got the masses at your fingertips and nothing's really that important anymore just showing your age yeah <laughs> i am maybe you know but then i've gone from that to that you know like i've gone just from get, you wait for your bbm to come through yeah yeah you exactly. know exactly <laughs> <laughs> on his page i'm not bbm that was good back in the day but no i mean yeah definitely show my age and as i said right at the start maybe it is a lot of my mindset now is different because i've grown into yeah. where, where i am now in my life but there are there are a lot of youngsters coming through, um, and good luck to them, mate. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're gonna smash it once COVID do, does one. Yeah, when it does one. Yeah. But thank you guys, um, Kevin. Do you want to just let people know where you're working at and what's yeah, pop, so what's popping there? What's popping right now? Look, I'm working at Glow in DIFC. It's a really cool little lounge bar. We've got an outside area. You come and smoke some shisha, have a few drinks, um, some good food. Alpha Tone Currency House, open every day from five. Come and say hello. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's free invite right for me and Mitch too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Fast by, come I and see it. I heard I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got spoke. some good food. Good, good. And once the entertainment comes, we're going to have a good, some good entertainment. I'm looking at actually getting some, some singers, some DJs and that. So anyone wants to hit me up, you know. Payment terms are 60 days. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 90 days from the... Uh, Date of the gig. Yeah. After after this, Kev, you can't pay anyone late yeah, after this. No, yeah. no, exactly. Like, hey, I heard you on that podcast. Like, what's going on? <laughs> no, I'll always support. As I always support, you know, the, the DJs and the local talent. Make sure they're trying to paid on time because that's important for me. So, uh, Kieran. Uh, lots going on at the moment. Um, I didn't mention it earlier on, uh, but the, the Be More Than's uh, growing pretty, pretty quickly. We've got. The above running every Friday down at the at Paros. I'm sure most of you have been down to that now. Got the Euros coming up as well. Massive, massive event. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, yeah, uh, come on, England. Yeah, see, see England get through on this and stuff. Um, <laughs> as if they've got any players. Yeah, yeah. players after this. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're all banned. <laughs> um, that brunch running every Friday at White with yourself, Mitch. So that's looking forward to, to getting back out to that on Friday, uh, four till seven. 
Um, and loads of, just loads in the pipeline. We've got F1 to start planning for. We've got new bunches coming up. We've just uh, done a new ladies' night at the studio, which used to be the old Pasha. Oh, it's great saw, to see yeah. that venue. That's a, 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 I saw a, online, yeah. It looked good, yeah. Some friends of mine were down there having some drinks and chilling. Yeah, what nice. a venue back in the day. Trilogy, yeah. Pasha, Trilogy, and now Pasha, uh, yeah. back in there again in the old stomping ground for studio. So every Wednesday down there. But okay. yeah, lots of stuff coming up, mate, to be honest. I'm excited and... Just to keep plugging away, but most importantly, I want to get the DJs back. That's all I want. Yeah. Get the DJs back, that'll make me happy. But that what you just said there, and if I can just quickly say before you wrap it up, that what you've just reeled off there is exactly why we know that the industry's still there yeah. and it's gonna recover. You've just said a hell of a lot going on that you've got the Euros, the F one, all this stuff coming up, and it's it's only gonna get better. Once this vaccine's rolled out, like I believe, as I said, summer twenty twenty two, I think that's when we'll be back to normal. So. Hope so. We do hope. We said that this time last year. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Output yeah. DXB, the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers.